Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's Thursday. It's almost Friday. I always look forward to my Fridays because I can get to say, uh, thank God it's Friday. Uh, in the studio with us, we have two common sense Democrats. We have Judge Richard Weinberg and we have Governor David Patterson and a common sense Republican. We have a uh, GOP chairman for a lot of years, uh, Ed Cox. Uh, Ed, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Right in the middle between two Democrats. I and love uh, <laughs> we have a very a great show for you for today. But uh, first, I, um, with sorrow, uh, our friend Al Bernacow has passed away. He was with Deloitte and Touche forever. 82 years old, and I think they're going to have some kind of ceremony in Staten Island and on Tuesday. But uh, he was a good friend, and, and he was a really good a guy. Wonderful guy. Served on a committee with them. Super and, guy. Uh, rumors, rumors that uh, on the Internet that uh, Governor Youngkin might uh, jump in. My opinion, I don't think so, but, you know, you never know. And uh, what else? Uh Oh, our gala pictures from uh, September 7th with honoring Cousin Brucey. That was some gala. <laughs> that was some gala is going to be on the WABC website, the WABCradio.com worldwide. And uh, you get to see at least 15 minutes of what happened that night. It was an amazing star-studded night. Uh, but joining us now with uh, some breaking news, we have a great, great guest who is on and is joining us now. Breaking news, WABC. We have joining us here on Cats and Cosby, Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, Robert, really great to have you here on the show. Rita, it's good to be back with you, John. How are you? We are fine, and uh, uh, we uh, there's so many things happening in our city, our state, our country. I mean, we're look, we're waiting to see uh, how you're looking at things. Well, I'm looking at the same stuff that you are. It's uh, um. You know, I I watched the Republican debate last night, um, and uh, you know, I I I was struck by the fact that nobody is actually talking about what's happening to the middle class in this country. We're seeing a level of disintegration in in not only the our economy, but mental health in our country and uh, and physical health. It is absolutely devastating, the middle class. And I, I'm i running now against two men who have both been president for four years, and both of them are campaigning on a platform that they brought prosperity to our country. And I, people hear that, you know, as I talk to people at their kitchen tables, and they hear that, and they just feel like they're being gaslighted. I'm watching people who, elderly people who are splitting up their pills for their prescription in order to have enough money at the end of the week to pay for food. I'm seeing people choose between gasoline and food, parents who are in rental apartments that they can't afford holding a baby that's crying in the night and having to wonder whether the baby is $50 sick or $100 sick or $500 sick before they bring them to a hospital. I'm just seeing a level of, of disintegration everywhere that I, I never imagined seeing in the United States. And, you know, 
nobody is talking about this in the political classes. You know, you hit it on the head, everybody. We're talking to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Democratic presidential candidate. And and you're right. I didn't feel uh, anyone sort of coming up with the solutions. And I didn't hear coherent even in the debate last night. Um, Robert, I want to get your take also on the border, because that's something that's so concerning of what's happening. First of all, the wide open border. Um, you went down there recently. To me, that is so it, it is such a concern, the impact of how many people have crossed that we have no idea not checking. What, what's your message on that? And especially what's happening even right now under this current president? We need to shut down the border. I went down there. It is a humanitarian crisis. Anybody who thinks that this is an act of kindness to the people coming over needs to go down there and see what's happening. You know, I talked to 300 people who came across within two hours. I interviewed half of them. And every one of them told stories of being exploited. They're all being transported there by Mexican drug cartels, which are now controlling our border. They control our border policies. They were pulling up 115 people at a time on buses that are owned by the cartel, and they pay $15,000 apiece. The cartels are advertising in Africa, Asia, all over the world, Eastern Europe. The the people, only two of the families that I met that night, of 300 people, only two were from Latin America or Central America. The rest were from Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, uh, West Africa, all over Asia, India, China. And they're coming here hoping for jobs. They know exactly what's going to happen because the cartels explain the entire process on YouTube and TikTok. They come across the border. They're fingerprinted. If they're not criminals, the Border Patrol is totally demoralized. Bring them to the Yuma Airport put them on a plane to any destination they want in the United States. And if they don't have the money for the ticket, the U.S. taxpayer pays it. Seven million people have come across illegally. 82,000 children have disappeared. It's, it's horrendous. And when they get here, they're given a court date seven years down the road for an asylum hearing. And they can stay in our country till then, but they have no legal status. So they are exploited by unscrupulous employers. They're paid five or six dollars an hour. And they're competing. Those, you know, construction jobs in New York are are hiring these people and paying them not enough to live. They're still on the sidewalk. But then those construction firms are competing for bids against union shops. And so they're hurting all of the workers in our country. You know, I worked, John, uh, you know this, for Cesar Chavez during his last two decades. We were, we were, we, we were together, me and you. Yeah. And I was the, uh, you know, the, uh, a pallbearer in his funeral. And, and But the, those two decades I spent working on pesticide issues with him. But he had two big issues. One was pesticides. The other was closing the border. Because he understood that the, the illegal workers that were coming across were destroying his leverage to get better conditions and better pay for the American workers who were here. And that's what's happening now okay. in New York. And tell, it us, is, it, tell us what you I mean, think. We've got now 100, 110,000 illegal immigrants in New York. They're, they're camping them out on Randall's Island. You know, our kids in New York. 
Well, Governor that's, Governor that's, Governor uh, uh, Abbott was here in the studio yesterday, and Governor Abbott says that he never intended to send any any uh, immigrants or migrants to New York. He was only sending them to Washington to get his message across to President Biden. And then yeah, when, he, when the uh, New York Governor, guys, when the New York politicians complained, that's when he sent them to New York. Yeah, but Governor Abbott is not the guy who's doing it. The, you know, it's, this isn't like, you know, what DeSantis did, where he sends two plane roads to Marcus Vineyard to make a point. Yeah, um, you know, what's happening now is the, the policy of the United States of America is to send to allow all the migrants in who want to come in at the border, have nobody turn back to the border, and anybody who gets in is sent to any destination they choose. So there's 110,000 now in New York, and, and as I say, we pay for the plane ticket. There's 110,000 in New York. They're putting them now. There's no place to put them. They're putting them now in encampments at Randall's Island. Our children in New York for two and a half years weren't allowed to play sports because of COVID. And now that, you know, a lot of those kids were on, on scholarship trajectories. They need to be playing their sports for their life to work. They now are finding that finally they're back on their playing fields and now they find they can't go use the fields. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, and Robert, I know you just have a few minutes left because uh, uh, you're actually announcing, I think, a headquarters in New Jersey coming up. Um, but I want to make sure we also how do you how do you break through, Robert? Um, you know, here you, you have a great name uh, when the polling came out. Um, you're doing well in a lot of these polls. Um, but yet, clearly, the Biden team doesn't want to debate you. Um, you know, it seems like even some of the media is selectively covering or not covering you. How do you, how do you break through this? Because I'm, you know, I, I believe everybody should be heard. And I think your message is an important message. Yeah. Well, and thank you. Uh, thank both of you for, you know, for making me so welcome on this important radio program so often. But you're right. The mainstream media is not covering me except, you know, in sort of with defamatory descriptions and un, uh, inaccurate descriptions of what I do and say, I can get on Fox. I, I really, you know, I'm a Democrat. I'd rather be on the Democratic media, but none of them will cover me. So, and if you watch MSNBC and CNN uh, and read the New York Times, you're going to have a very, very distorted view of who I am and what I stand for. I'm getting on the podcast, Rita, and um, I'm, and the podcasts are actually, you know, very, very effective. I mean, you know, Joe Rogan has 11 million listeners compared to 500,000 nightly viewers on CNN. So I am able to reach a large part of the American public, and you're seeing that in my polls. Um, but, you know, I, I'm pretty confident that ultimately I'm going to be able to uh, to talk to people. And when, when people, when Democrats see me, they convert very quick. And they, Robert, they say, Robert, oh. how, what happened with Secret Service? You deserve Secret Service protection. Anything anything new on that? No, the, we've, we've repeatedly appealed to the Biden administration. I'm the first candidate in, the, in United States history that has requested Secret Service protection had been denied it. Um, and, you know, it was it, they legally have to give it to me 120 days out. But it's been pro forma to give it to candidates in the past uh, two years out. 
and you know I should have it. I've, I've uh, you know, I've been. I'm Understood. To Last question: UAW strike. What is your take on that? I take it is that the UAW has has uh, has grievances that are authentic and that you know they they shouldn't have to strike. They should be they should be able to get decent wages and health uh, health benefits that they're asking for. They're, what they're asking for is very very reasonable, John. Understood. Okay. Anything else you want to tell the American people? We got a million people listening. Anything else? I, I, I'm very good. Thank you, John. And thank you, Rita, for having me. Anytime. Anytime. We wish you so much luck. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you got to come back on again soon. It's important to hear your voice. Thank you. You're welcome anytime on WABC. Thank you, Rita. Thank you, John. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Wow, very interesting. Ed Cox, you were shaking. It's interesting oh, to hear him saying, better. close the border. Absolutely. <laughs> and he, that's a good issue for him. Look, we want to know who's coming and going. I yeah. mean, it's very simple. I don't, I don't understand. It's not complicated. Yeah, it's not complicated. I, I, immigration, yes. But we, um, the American people deserve to know who's coming and going. Yeah, and the fact right. that they won't even give him, John, your point about Secret Service, they won't even, a lot of the people in the media won't even cover him. That's a travesty. The, Americans deserve to hear from everybody. Governor on, Patterson. On the Secret Service issue, I thought, this is my memory, that if you have 5% or more in the polls, that you automatically get Secret yeah, Service. And he protection. has at least 20, 25. Yeah. Well, and he said to us just now that it's 120 days out, um, but that pro forma, it's been typical that as a courtesy, they do it. And he's saying he's the first one to be denied it. Let's not forget also, guys, there was recently an attacker who tried to kill him. Remember, he showed up dressed as a U.S. Marshal and tried to kill him at an event. Look, look, uh, so the, come the, on. The, the Bidens play it tough politically, and they know very well that you have Secret Service. It's much easier for you to get around, get in and out. That's just they have to and give you protection. They also have to give you transportation. A lot of yes. and look well, at the history with you, his family. My uh, goodness, you know, Mr. Chairman, yeah. if anything were to happen to him right now, and without that Secret Service uh, protection that he should have had, uh, all those people who made the decision can pack up and leave even before the election. As Let I said, they something. play it tough. That's why you, you want to know something. Whether you support Trump or don't support Trump, that's why. Trump, a lot of people are supporting him because he's the only one tough enough to clean up Washington, my opinion. Yeah, I agree, and I think some of them don't want it cleaned up, John. My opinion would not have been that six months ago, but it's – Washington is a swamp. Yeah, but uh, many people, John, don't want it cleaned up. I think I agree with you. On both sides. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What a mess. Uh, by the way, coming up, Let's we're going to be. That break yeah, in. What do you got? Who do you have coming up? We have Greg Jarrett coming up. Speaking of which, uh, he's going to talk about the fireworks today at the first impeachment inquiry that took place on Capitol Hill. Boy, there's a lot to talk about. Stay with us. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Wow, it was a boisterous hearing today. And joining us to talk about the first impeachment inquiry hearing that took place is Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett. Uh, Greg, I, I couldn't believe it. it was like two different worlds. And when it went to the Democrats, every time it was Trump, Trump, Trump. 
And the Republicans were like, I think, trying to be measured and saying, hey, let's look at the evidence. If it goes there, this is what an inquiry is about. I mean, it was it was like alternate universe half the time. Your take. Rita, I mean, there was a constant theme among Democrats. They all stuck to it. Uh, That is, there's no evidence Joe Biden did anything wrong. It's all a waste of time. Trump is a a bigger crook than Biden. And OG Republicans are to blame for a potential government shutdown. You know, this was sort of a classic maneuver when the facts are against you. uh, Deflect and distract. So unable to actually defend Joe Biden, uh, Democrats tried to change the subject and shift attention to Trump. But, I, you know, I do think many people who may have tuned in for the first time were shocked to learn that the Bidens made upwards of $24 million from foreign sources funneled into 20 shell companies, and there's no evidence they did anything to earn it except selling access to Joe Biden and promises of influence, which, as I've said before on your, on your program, that's bribery under the criminal codes. Uh, moreover, it went unreported to the IRS, millions of dollars. That's tax evasion or tax fraud or both. Greg, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. Welcome back to the show. Two things troubled me. Number one, they keep saying you need direct evidence, direct evidence. There's no direct evidence. Throw this out. And they don't understand they're building up a case step by step by step. And there is such a thing as circumstantial evidence, the totality evidence. That was right. number one. The other, And I'd like your comment on that. The other thing that bothered me is the uh, the testimony from the former head of the Justice Department tax division showing that Wolf, who is the assistant U.S. attorney running the operation for Weiss, slam-dunked and pushed aside all the connections to the influence peddling trying to link Joe Biden. So I keep saying, where is the evidence? And yet you have the Justice Department pushing any attempt by getting an honest inquiry. What do you say? I think it's called yeah. stonewalling. Yeah, it, it, it's actually obstruction. Uh, by the Department of Justice. Uh, You know, if you look at the established known facts uh, coming from documents, from testimony, and you compare it to the criminal statutes, um, there is evidence. It's it's called witnesses, emails, texts, White House logs, photographs, other evidentiary material that's been produced so far that show that Joe Biden helped his son aiding and abetting his profiteering scams, selling access to the vice presidency and promises of influence. You know, uh, the media, that's their favorite refrain. There's no evidence. Uh, But, you know, they they don't understand what evidence is. It's facts and information. It's documentary and testimonial. It's direct or circumstantial. Uh, As you well know, Judge, whether those facts rise to the level of a crime well, that's a matter of proof, and it's a different burden of proof. But but that all still constitutes evidence. And for Democrats of the media to deny the volumes of evidence uh, is willful blindness. Governor Patterson? You know, Greg, if I was on that committee, I wouldn't have said a word when the evidence was first being brought out in the first couple of hearings. And the reason I wouldn't have said a word is that you want to maintain credibility rather than being pedantic and attacking, you know, raising Trump's name the first five minutes that the hearing started, and then come to a decision later on. And if you want to say it later on, at least it sounds like you listened. But it seemed to me that they just came out with this volley of uh, attacks 
and didn't look credible at all. Well, that's because you're a reasonable guy, Governor. That's yeah. that's the difference. Well, I, I, I used to be. Well, you are. I, I'd still back you up. I'd still back you up. Okay. I agree with the, with you, Governor. Um, you know, there was this sort of faux outrage by Democrats on the panel that, oh, you're not facts witnesses. I, I mean, it must have been two dozen Democrats made that silly point. But it's typical to begin an inquiry by calling, for example, law professors, other experts to explain the constitutional framework of an impeachment inquiry, the basis for it. And, you know, Jonathan Turley, a law professor who's well recognized and respected, as well as two others agree, there's more than sufficient evidence to open the inquiry. They confirmed serious evidence of influence peddling. And as Turley said, that could constitute bribery, conspiracy, obstruction, money laundering, FARA violations and abuse of power. You know what I found dis- disgraceful, um, Greg? And, and, you know, you guys tell me, I mean, we've we've all seen a lot of hearings. It was, I thought, just the way they treated the witnesses. There, What I did find refreshing, uh, I think every American should find refreshing. They had both sides there because they had a witness who was for the Democrats, clearly. And then they had others who were not, unlike the January 6th, which was all Trump bad and we're not going to show any other side. At least there was balance. But what I found really disgraceful, and you could see the witnesses were shocked. I mean, these were people who worked at the Department of Justice. They were they were saying the most horrible things about the credibility of the witness. Like when you were 12, uh, you crossed the street improperly. Or I mean, it was just, yeah. it was, it was horrible. And then Jonathan Turley, Jonathan, he's a, he's a very people, well known. Yeah, two people, as Greg knows, two very well respected people. You had Sullivan, who ran the Justice Department tax division. It was just giving it to you straight how they sidestepped and they cut off all lines of inquiry. And you have Turley, who's a first rate constitutional law professor talking about what you needed to make a case. He didn't say you had a case yet. He said, but you do have the parameters to go forward. Right. Part of the problem here is that this should be a limited select committee instead of having so many people. And, you know, a lot of the people are inexperienced junior members. They've been in the House of Representatives a a nanosecond. Uh, They're uninformed. And they go off on these, you know, camera attention-getting... They want to make a name for themselves. Yeah, Yeah. and so... The moment in the sun. Kevin McCarthy for this and Comer. I mean, they should have gotten together with Jim Jordan and said, look, if we're going to make headway here, we can't have, you know, 35 people on this panel. No, you're right. How many people are on the panel, Greg? You know, I, I don't know, but it seemed like there's certainly more than 20 on each side. And, you know, you've got to have a, uh, maybe uh, 10 on one side, 8 on the other. Or, you know, you've got to have less than 20. You know, take it. Absolutely. Take it no, absolutely. We have to take a break right now. And thank you very much for coming on. And uh, Greg, you're awesome. Keep, keep us you. posted, please. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you, Greg. Let's not go to now go to Paul Zuber from the uh, New York State uh, Business Council. Yeah, with the Business Business Council. Council. He is the vice president. Their members are mad as heck, and uh, they're going to do something about it. (laughs) That's that's right. Um, Good evening, uh, John and and Rita. I'm glad to be on your show. Uh, Yes, our members are mad as hell, and they're ready to fight back. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people have seen in the press, that the business council has decided to take the lead. 
Um, and tell and, everybody, tell everybody, Paul, what you're fighting against, because it's these uh, rolling back these climate change laws that are costing people an arm and a leg. Yeah, you know, and, and it's exactly that. I mean, now, look, we believe that the environment is important. We believe that, you know, we should electrify the grid. We believe all those things. But right now, what is going on is we're going at a pace in which reliability is becoming an issue and cost is becoming an issue. And it's not just us saying that. The New York Independent System Operators, which is designed solely as an independent organization to ensure grid reliability, has already raised the issue of reliability because there are a lot of renewable projects being built and it's taking time to hook them in. And so, but at the same time, we're shutting down fossil fuel plants. We're seeing increased costs that nobody's explaining to the public what those costs actually are and who's going to actually pay for them. Yeah, and they're so, being shoved down our throats, too. I mean, that's the other thing. Yes, and they're, being, and they're being shoved down their throat. And it shouldn't be that way. We can do this in a smart and capable manner that we can have solar, that we can have wind, that we can continue to have some, some natural They're natural killing our whales. <laughs> the windmen, oh, they're killing all whales, and they're going to add very, very little power to the system. Uh, tell us uh, uh, one more thing. How, how are you spending this money, and what period of time are you spending it? Well, we're going we're gonna, to we're, we look at it as a long-term campaign, okay? And and I think what makes us well, you got a city council in five weeks. The city council of New York in five weeks is uh, is fifty-one seats are up. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. and then next year, I guess you have a lot of council seats up. No, uh, I mean, uh, assembly, assembly seats you the, you and the, senate you seats. Le- you have the state legislature up um, next year, and so what we what we're looking to do is we're looking to make sure that we make the public aware of what's going on. And I think what makes us different than before, John, is the fact that we have a broad coalition. This isn't fossil fuel companies yeah. banding their money together. This is. You know, uh, retail. This is labor. This is. What are you school. doing about all the CVS is nine hundred of them closing? Target is closing. Rite Aid is closing. They're all closing well, because there's no common sense in in, well, in getting rid of these uh, criminals. Well, well, but you know, and, but you know, when you talk about the closing, you, you bring up uh, something that goes to the heart of of our campaign, which is a lot of people have often talked talked about affordability in New York and, and talked about, let's make New York more affordable. People are leaving the state. Let's make it more affordable. But no one's taking into account the costs of, of the, the climate action um, law and its cost on the public. I'll give you a perfect example. If we're going we're gonna to have electric school buses, which is great. It's great to have electric school buses. But A, who's going to pay for the electric school buses? And they're going to need charging stations for the electric school buses. I know of a school district up here in the capital region who is estimated it's going to cost them $20 million to put in um, electric charging stations because they're going to have to build a substation in order to put – who's paying for that? Right. So, Paul, it, Governor right? Patterson, don't, that's what we don't know. And Governor Patterson wants his two cents. <laughs> yeah. uh, Paul, I, I was really surprised at the annual conference on Lake George at the wide variety of businesses who are coming together to stake out the position that you had. Actually, I thought the reason you all were frustrated was because of my guitar solo there. Oh, you are awesome! By the way, there's there's many there's many videos of him playing with his band. So I I I, I everybody, if you want me to send them around, I will. So. <laughs>
All right, thank you, Paul Zubin. Thank you very much. Keep fighting for for the businesses in New York (laughs) because there's not going to be any left. Uh, we're going to keep fighting, and we got a we got a broad coalition, and so we're going to educate the, the public on what's going on. And Bravo. if you haven't counted my company in for anything, count me in. All right, I appreciate it, John. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. Let's Paul. take a break, and what happens? Yeah, we have uh, White House press secretary, the former one, Ari Fleischer, for his take on the debate, and also I want to know who won the debate. And I can't wait to hear from Al D'Amato. He's coming up too. He's always fired up. <laughs> You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Boy, everybody's talking about the debate. Uh, I think the winner was Trump, but let's go to the former press secretary <laughs> there at the White House, Ari Fleischer. Ari, who did you think won the debate? Oh, Rita, I have to agree with you. No, nobody stood out enough, and that means Donald Trump wins the debate. <laughs> um, you, you know, I love to look at the Republican primary right now as the NCAA bracket for basketball. <laughs> Donald Trump has already got the entire left side of the bracket. He's going to the championship game. And all that's left is who's on the right side? Who's going to compete against him in the championship game? That's what this is all about. So was there anyone who you thought won uh, for the, you know, for the second tier, if you will, for whether it's for the cabinet or for a VP pick? I, I don't I didn't see anybody who moved the dial um, dramatically. But were there ones that you thought stood out that uh, that won't drop out? Because I think some people got to be thinking about dropping out. After one, this one stood out and the other uh, gave me grounds for a bigger explanation of why he's not doing better. The one who stood out, I think, is Nikki Haley. Face it, de- debates are about who delivers the most, the, the most best fighting line that shows Republicans that person's going to fight for what they believe in. And I thought that was Haley. I thought the way she smacked Vivek Ramaswamy with her <laughs> remark about the more I listen to you, the dumber I feel. Yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a good singer. <laughs> that was. And, and that Republicans want to see somebody who's got fight in them. Who, who, who's got it inside. That's one of the reasons Trump resonates so strongly. So I thought Nikki Haley delivered on that. Now, I was watching Ron DeSantis carefully, and I am convinced that Ron DeSantis is a great leader, a man who's got so much done, who sailed into the toughest winds in Florida, kept the state open during the, most of the pandemic, took on big causes, wins the issues that he dedicates himself to, and has changed Florida. But he can't explain it. Because he comes across so dour. He's got a communications problem, and and that's what knocked him down from that's the very exactly, beginning. Exactly. I was watching him saying the man's got so much good that he's, he's a good done. governor. I, I agree with you. He's resonate. a good governor. So why isn't he resonating? He's too serious and too dour in his demeanor. Yeah, and he's not. I, I hate to say this from an aesthetic. I didn't find him super commanding. There's something about. Um, here we are in Simi Valley, you know, when it happened at the Reagan Library. And, Ed, there, there's a presence about somebody that just looks like a president. They feel like a president. He, he did, however, when a, a question was asked that should not have been asked, who would you write off the stage? And he was the first to say, no, that's not a, that's an improper question. He commanded the stage. Everyone yeah. agreed with him. It's not a game show. Yeah. That was a good move on. That was a good move on his part. But, right. but remember the first debate, but, he was the one who raised his hand when they said, um, it was the question. Remember, like, uh, would you, 
uh, it was about Trump, I think. Remember? And, and he was looking to see, should well, I that, raise that my hand or not? That was the debate before. That That's was what I'm saying. He's a little bit unsure of himself, but so he's, he, he's finding, he's the, finding the, his feet. Governor the, Patterson. Um, this morning, Ari, I saw DeSantis interviewed on Fox and they was, and he talked about Trump and who he hadn't talked about last night at all. And what he was saying is that Trump said he was going to drain the swamp, and he didn't. And he talked about how Fauci was allowed to. This was an attack over about two or three minutes. That's better than any Democrat I've heard uh, make those charges against Trump himself. <laughs> yeah, and, and one of these candidates is going to realize you can't beat Trump without going through Trump. And they're going to have to just take Trump head on. Now, Nikki Haley's been doing that on economic issues. She did it on China policy, right. military policy. But you cannot convince Republican primary voters that you're tough and you can be a president who's going to take on Washington if you won't take on Trump. So, uh, so Ari, one of them is going to have to crack uh, that code and try it. Tim Scott came out differently this time. How do you think he did? He did not do well. Yep. He wanted to come out more feisty. But he picked the wrong fights, and he did so with the wrong candidates. He should have picked a fight with Trump. Again, you can't beat Trump if you don't go through Trump. He picked a fight with Nikki Haley over the curtains at the United Nations <laughs> ambassador's residence that the Obama administration installed. Tim Scott had bad research, bad info. He relied on a New York Times story that blamed it on Nikki Haley that then later got retracted. Yeah, Tim Scott, uh, Tim really Scott is a yeah, he's a very honest guy. I think he's a, a good guy. I, I like him a great deal. You know, maybe he needs a little more. Uh, yeah, he did do better last night. Yeah. I thought than the first one. The first yeah. one, he barely popped. He yeah. should have turned down that. Now this guy, that, uh, yeah. what's his name, Vic. Vivek. Vivek. <laughs> Michael Vick. Yeah. I didn't see him there last I, night. I, did I you just, guys see him there? No. I, I just don't <laughs> stomach him for some reason. Well, you know what? He's, you know, he's, he's unbelievable with uh, one of the comments he made was about kicking out everybody, uh, with the birthright citizenship. Like, in other words, he's going to well, suddenly, what, 30 million or 40 million? You're going to yeah, look every time he, Ari, it's Richard Weinberg. Every time he talks, he says something that's foolish and naive. For example, about abandoning allies at the right time as soon as we have our chips in place. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, or Ukraine's really on the same no, moral not, level. He's not presidential he's material. He's not presidential guys. material. Let's not waste our time. I mean, he, well, but yet he's taking up state space. He, he, he strikes me as the Pete Buddha edge of this cycle. He's the yeah. Republican Pete Buddha edge. <laughs> very articulate, very glib. He, you know, I, I say this with some love. He'd make a great press secretary. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, Ari. We and, love you, uh, Ari. Thank you. Keep fighting for our country. Thank you so much. Glad to have, glad to be here, and thanks for the fight you put up. I okay. appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you, Ari, so much. And now we got Bert Flickinger, John. Bert, Bert, where the heck? Did, you know, every stores are closing. I mean, is there going to be any stores left at all? CBS, nine hundred stores, Target. Uh, Right, Aid, tell us what the heck is going on in retail. John, you're absolutely right. During the last 100 years, retail was the biggest source of new job creation. This decade, retail is going to be the biggest source of record-breaking job losses. For example, to your point, Target's cut 10,000 workers because of the cost of crime, lower sales, lower profits. Closing the nine stores in major cities, that's another 1,000 workers uh, uh, losing Jobs And with these uh, proverbial Maginot lines of plexiglass, 
fortified shelves with locks on it where you have to wait for the manager to come. That's going to crush profits even more. And John and Rita, the tragedy is, is Target's the number one company for philanthropy. 5% of profits go to important local causes. And uh, uh, Target uh, is is uh like you said along with cvs and and walgreens hitting 52 week lows every day as their net earnings from operations are slashed in half and as uh they're the biggest builder of stores and cities their um city urban retail growth is going to go away and the tax base goes away from commercial real estate and, and the real estate for public school education these people that have all these cbs's 900 of them what are you going to do with the real estate i mean nobody's going to go into them nobody's going to go, go into them john and and they can't they can't become I, shelters and using john katsvatiti's math uh which is so appropriate here for every three hundred dollars it's stolen that Target doesn't get back, Target has to sell thirty thousand dollars in merchandise just to break even. The math's impossible. For wow! Target. And ORC or organized retail crimes, the biggest commercial cancer spreading across America today. And Bert Flickinger, uh, consumer expert, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg has a question for you. So, Bert, as you know, in retail, when you have empty retail stores in a neighborhood. It's a sign of deterioration, of lawlessness, a lack of civility and, and resources. And that feeds upon itself. It, it's a Judge, cancer. You're absolutely, Judge, you're absolutely right. And John Katsvatidis and his very good friend, Jack Futterman from Pathmark, worked with your friend, Reverend Calvin Buss III from Abyssinian Baptist Church, to create the East Harlem Economic Development Council, Uh and uh, uh, economic development zone for retail, for job creation, for health care, uh, for education, and it created a real requiem and renaissance for East Harlem. Well, guess where one of the key nine stores that's closed is? Is the East 117th Street East Harlem store that John and Governor Pataki and and uh, Jack Jack Kemp and Senator Moynihan and you and so many. Uh, great leaders, Governor Patterson worked on, and all that. All those achievements are going away, and with with uh, the vacancies. To your good point, Judge, it creates a further deterioration, which can become catastrophic. And that's why when Newsom goes out there and he spins last night, and he says the economy is doing great. Well, you, you put a picture of San Francisco next to Newsom when you when he wants to right. walk down yeah, the really. street. And look at the desolation. And who's being hurt by this? Minority communities are not going to get the services they need when they need a pharmacy. Absolutely. When we need groceries. Bert Flickinger, thank you for coming on. And keep your eyes open. And thank you. Fight for what's right in our country. Thank you so much. And thank you for protecting candidate Kennedy. Very, very important for both sides. Thank you. And I understand Curtis Lewa is calling in from the field. Is he calling in from the field? No, no he's, oh, he's actually, he's actually, in. He's actually in route to the rally. I got a text from him. He's going to call in from the field. Oh, good. Okay, great. Because he's got a rally at Staten Island. We'll uh, find out what's, yeah. what's going on in the streets of New York. Uh, what are we doing now? A break? And, yeah, we have a break. And then we also have Al D'Amato coming up, too. Okay, let's do it. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. Calling 
calling in from the calling in from the streets in New York. We got Curtis Lewa for an up to date. What the heck is going on in the streets, Curtis Lewa? Well, John, um, heading out to Staten Island, where we're having a victory rally outside of St. John's Villa Academy, where the uh, legal team of uh, Vito Pacello, the borough president, are the eight-year-old girls safe? Yep, uh, but uh, Vito Pacella has won a victory. The city has not uh, appealed it yet. They have 10 days, and it looks like it's, uh, believe it or not, a Mexican standoff with the migrant issue in uh, Staten Island. But unfortunately, the city has indicated that it's looking at Bay Ridge, Fort Hamilton, Manhattan Beach, and Marine Park to put new migrant centers so it's going to keep me very busy organizing these uh, anti-migrant rallies. People, people are yelling Brooklyn. that you're wrong. Curtis is wrong, wrong, wrong. And my comment was Curtis is more right than wrong. Which one That's is right, it? And they better wake up because uh, the mayor has said everything is on the table. Everything is on the table. And we see the trains are packed with illegals. They're flooding across the border. And they're coming to New York City. So they're going to come to a neighborhood near you. Now, if you don't organize... You're going to be stuck with it. And, and Curtis, real quick, are other people saying bravo, like following the template? Because that decision from the judge, although they say they're going to appeal, uh, I think is really powerful. A lot of people saying this is a template. Putting a migrant center across the street from a school with eight-year-old girls, ten-year-old girls, two schools. Isn't that 12-year-old girls, enough is enough. But it's a broader opinion than that. But it's, that's why I think yes, it's, it's really a, significant. Now, yes. The key to that opinion is the judge held very clearly that there is no right to shelter. And if Adams was smart, he would rest on That's why they're waiting the 10 days. They're trying to figure it out. Okay, that's the translation. Well, hopefully you, they Curtis figure Lula. it out. Let's go to Al D'Amato, see how he feels about it. The be- one of the best senators we ever had in New York. Absolutely. Senator D'Amato, uh, can you believe this? We're still waiting to see if the city will appeal. They filed a notice. This is on the migrant shelters. Uh, what do you think? I-, I agree with the judge. Judge Weinberg just said a- Adam should just let it expire. It gives him cover. They said, you know, it- it's a- it- there's no jurisdiction for this. There's nothing in the charter. There's nothing in the Constitution. It gives him a perfect out. City is incompetent. Uh, the mayor is incompetent. It is incredulous that they would appeal this decision. They should take this decision and run with it. My God. It will help the city. It will help them save billions. And they should stop this stuff about a sanctuary city because legally they're not. They just claim it. There's nothing that that did this. It's horrendous. And I got to tell you something. I want to take my hat off to Curtis Sliwa. I very seldom compliment him, but he's right in what he's doing. It's the right thing. This is standing up and fighting for people to bring them into good neighborhoods and destroy them, to bring them across the street from schools where little kids are going. This is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. How about Washington? Who won the debate, uh, uh, Alphonse? Oh, absolutely. Rita Cosby, he is one smart dude. Harry Fleischer, he's a smart dude. They, They were right. Trump won the debate. That debate was, was a joke. And I'll tell you what the worst part was, the moderators. I, I, I mean, I didn't have 
understand them half the time. I won't get into the specifics of it. They were a joke. The whole thing was ridiculous. And and, and two people made some sense, uh, uh, Mickey Haley and DeSantis, but Trump clearly won the debate. And he was right. Why would you come so that everybody could attack you, jump on you, let them make, make fools of themselves, which they did. Now, Senator, I understand you have a, sort of a information. You have thoughts on a, on someone who may throw their name in the race. Uh, where, where do you think it's headed? Well, let me say this to you. This person says he, he's not going to declare. He's concentrating on his job. And I love that. I love that. And he keeps getting more attention. And it's not easy, but he is. And that is the governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin. What a job he did. Number one, he took the unions on on behalf of the parents and their children. And he won that election. Number two, he is going to capture the state again, okay, and take the legislature over completely and continue. Number three, in less than two years, He's he has cut the spending. He has created a surplus. The school. All right. Is already the school kids are showing improvements. What he has brought brought at no cost that a local school district, the state's spending for it are programs to improve the the reading and the arithmetic for these young kids in the third through the eighth grade who are falling so far behind. Incredible. He's putting this into all of the school districts and the results are fantastic. These yeah, but, but let me ask you, Senator, do you think he really is going to throw his name in? I mean, I, you know, no, I don't think he is. I think he's going to wait till 28. I, yeah, I do, too. I, well, I disagree. I, I, what do you think? I, I, I go ahead, just Senator. Wait. I agree with you. Just go, keep going. Wait. Just wait. First of all, the only person that I believe that Trump can beat is Biden. All right. Number two, don't be a bit surprised if after he captures the nomination, if Biden steps aside and he has enough delegates to pick who's going to run. Believe me, he's deteriorating. This situation with respect to him and his son is not going to get better for him. It's going to get worse. And again, the, the only the only uh, person Trump can beat is Biden. OK, so there's a lot to still play out. There's and, a lot and to Cox, play out. two cents. Yeah, look, I, I agree. Uh, the, Governor Youngkin's doing the right thing. He's paying attention to his job in Virginia. Although yeah. I have to say, put out a really beautiful, slick uh, a, a thing around his speech at the at yeah. the Reagan Library. And it really resonated. It was about a national vision, not just the vision for 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 Virginia. And uh, so there certainly is an interest there. But he's sticking to being governor in Virginia. It's what he ought to do. And um, you know, and we just—it's brilliant on his part. He yeah, says, I'm absolutely. What's, what's it called? A reluctant it. debutante. You know, and they kind of <laughs> kept coming to you, right? <laughs> you got it. And I think that's the the only way. Uh, uh, that um, Trump does not run is if something 
grows and grows uh, on, on the bad side for Trump. And Youngkin continues to get more approval. And he gets it by not running against Trump or running for president. And people may start to say, hey, and there's a legitimate draft. And you don't know what's going to take place with Trump in the next six months. Yeah, you just don't. And and I think things just get worse for Biden. Yeah, Trump I do, too. Probably beat Biden. But any other Democrat can probably beat Trump. Well, and and, and Senator, I agree with you on uh, especially on the Biden front. I mean, what a mess uh, with the new impeachment inquiry that just launched the hearing. Uh, I think uh, a lot of more stuff is going to be coming out. Yeah, so and the Democrats, a bunch of jackasses. I mean, they sent people from foreign countries sending 20 million dollars to members of the fine uh, Biden family. What the hell is wrong? you got to be able to prove. That's why we need the facts, the records, which what the Justice Department has been hiding and keeping keeping from the people. But sooner or later, I think this committee will get to it. And, and, and the fact of the matter is that Hunter was on the take on behalf of his father and family. Well, That's, Senator Alphonse D'Amato, we all think you should run one more time. But thank you for coming on. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.